Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. When our kids get the word of God in them, and who knows that we're in the most distracted and uh, uh, morally confused and saturated generation ever, we need to get the word of God into us if we're going to last, okay? There's no point in having a move of God if it's full of immorality and pain and we just don't know how to live properly. And, um, you know, we just all got to watch a lot less TV and read a lot more Bible. Do you know, who wanted that? Someone over here. And, uh, you know, in John 15, Jesus is talking about abiding, isn't he? Abide in the vine. And it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a metaphorical piece on, we, we kind of take it as a piece on prayer that I abide in Jesus in prayer. And if I abide in him, I'll be fruitful. But if you actually read right the way through the chapter, you'll find, so, so how does that work? How do I abide in you? Cause a lot of people, we kind of, you know, we, 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 we meditate in inverted commas or I watch people in worship all the time and you're not like this. Boy, you guys are on fire. But I go to a lot of churches and this is what a lot of people in the crowd, should we call it, do during worship. You know, and that's if they're engaged. I mean, they might just be sat doing Sudoku or something other. But and, and it's, I, I believe it's because in the last in my lifetime, uh, worship has become driven from the front. Anybody here remember when people could start a random song in the congregation? Anybody? I mean, it was awful, wasn't it? But it was wonderful. All, all at the same time, you know, well, somebody on the back row would start up, you know, them out, get them gone. All the little bunnies in the field of corn, envy, jealousy, malice and pride. They shall never in my heart abide. And you think, God, we want revival, not <laughs> nursery rhymes. Um, but we've evolved where it, it's driven from the front. Here's a subtle thing. We listen to worship more than ever. We listen to worship. And so somebody will stand going for 40 minutes listening while Danny leads us, but they've not worshipped. They've listened to worship and they, they want a worship experience. That's not worshipping. Opening your mouth and giving God glory is worshipping. And we need to recapture what worship truly is. That you, you can stand and listen and essentially in your mind, you know, oh, did Danny sing my favourite songs? Did I like it? Was it too loud? Was the air conditioning okay? And we end in our consumerist society, we end up driven by all of these things, but we've not worshipped. We're looking for worship experiences and we go to worship concerts. So we enjoy ridiculous title, worship artists. Um, but we need to recapture what worship is. I don't even know how I got there, but it sounds good, didn't it? Anyway. That was all right. Okay, so where did we get to this morning? Oh, I only got through my introduction this morning. You, you guys got me feeling so naughty and cheeky, and so, but I hope you got something from it. Um, we need to know, I've got so many bits, right, I can do it now. Got so, we need to know <clears throat> God's dream and align our lives with his dream. And uh, before the world began, God dreamed that there would this, be this place called planet Earth. And I only know a bit of the dream. Of course, we see through a glass dimly, don't we? But he, he dreamed of a planet where the glory of God, the manifest reality of God and man 
live together. And you find that in the book of Genesis. That's how we set it up in the beginning in this exquisite, extravagant garden where, well, if you go, <laughs> Eden was just incredible. If you read through the language of it, you know, I mean, if you've got, if you're a, a poverty gospel person, you can go back to Eden. I mean, talk about, you know, we talk about original sin, but what about original glory? I mean, it was exquisite. There was gold. The, the rivers were out, you know, be, oh, oh, I can't, it's another message. Um, but then you go to the book of Revelation at the end of the book, and again, you've got this, you, you, it's streets paved with gold. I'm not really talking about money, but it, it's it, God will dwell with man once again. It's his obsession. I want to live among you. I want to walk uh, among you. And so his, his dream is that somehow planet Earth is going to be covered with his glory. Interestingly, in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah goes to the throne room of God, uh, what are the angels crying? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So from heaven's point of view, the earth is already, way back then, full of glory. But if you go across, I think it's to Habakkuk, maybe 2.14, something like that. It says that there will come a time when the, the, when the whole earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of God. So from heaven's point of view, the earth is full of glory. But from our point of view, we are learning to experience what is there in another realm. I, uh, I, um, there's, there's a great man of God from the States whose family 300 years ago built a chapel not too far from my house. So I, I get to pick up this revivalist from, from the, um, from the airport every now and then and drive to and from Heathrow, which is quite away from Hull, but I, I don't delegate that one because I get four and a half hours in a car with a, an incredible man of God. And so after the little family, um, catch ups, for the first five or ten minutes, I then say, so tell me stories of, of revival. And, and he just begins to go. And he, it, the last time I picked him up from Heathrow, he told me this story. He said there was an Argentinian revivalist by the name of Edward Miller. Some of you might have heard of him. Remarkable presence guy. And he traveled to Australia to a place where there'd been revival decades before, but now there wasn't. And he was invited to come and do this conference. So he turned up and... Other people did their sessions. Then it came to the moment where he was doing his session and he got up on stage, hundreds of people there, history of revival, but no revival now. And he, this, this Argentinian revivalist just stood there and he just paused for several minutes in silence, which is a long time if you're just looking out over hundreds of people. And he began to look and focus on something that was above their heads. And after a while, he just said this. He said, are you still there? And as he said those words, it's as though somebody used a scalpel and pierced the heavens and an outpouring of God just fell on that congregation. Revival broke out again. I wonder what's in the heavens. Somebody somewhere needs to break ranks from all of our stuff that we do. Three fast songs, three slow songs and a three-point sermon. <laughs> somebody needs to pause embarrassingly long and stop playing church and say, so... Are you still here? The one who parted the Red Sea, the one who sparked the Welsh revival, the one who sparked the Great Awakening. Are you in this room? And if we stopped playing church, acting out religious route methods, if we just stopped and said, so are you still there? Heaven sees the earth full of glory. Our reality is, it will become known to us, but we don't know it yet.
The dream of God is that we wake up to his glory. In Luke 9, Peter, James and John were asleep like all good charismatics in a prayer meeting. And then there's this wonderful line, but when they awoke, they saw his glory. Because there he was talking with Moses and Elijah. We need to awake to the glory that's in the room. That's God's dream. And so he starts, as I shared in the first session, which was supposed to be my introduction, he starts with our identity. Um, let me get back to the river thing, which I never finished, but God's purpose is like a river. And here we are at the, the beginning and, and the first piece. And I'm just using this as a metaphor. It's not so much theology that different points on the river mean this, that, the other. I'm not saying that. We're using it as a picture because it's a useful construct for our minds. Um, we begin with identity, the formation of who you are, that you are seated in heavenly places, that when Abraham looked up at the stars and God said, so shall your seed be, he was also saying to Jesus, that you're going to be like that, Jesus. Somehow you're going to become many. And then John 12 says that Jesus was glorified by dying like a seed, so the seed could become many. And here we are today, and you know, two billion people across the planet, like stars in the sky, singing the praises of Jesus from Fiji to San Francisco today. We are singing the praises of God and declaring his wonders. That's, that's our God. That's what we do. That's our identity. Uh, and our identity is more than conquerors, right? It didn't feel like it at two in the morning when you wake up worried about that day diagnosis. And that's where the whole battle is. We're battling for our identity. If we could just begin to think like God thinks, how transformed could things be? God thinks like this. It's a storm, but he thinks I have control over the weather. God thinks it's water, but, God th- uh, but we think it's water. So he thinks, but I can walk on that. That's our God. And it comes from beginning to understand our identity. Who are you really? You are not the person born of your mother. You're a new species. Give me the date of when you were born again. And that's the moment you were born from above. Literally, the Holy Spirit was pregnant and gave birth to something in your spirit that now makes you a new species. You are divinely connected to the very throne of God. If only I had the, the medical apparatus to open you up and x-ray you and have a little look and understand spirit things I would find God DNA spiritually speaking not physical normal but God DNA in you and I would see in you the very seed that was Jesus how much when you take a seed and plant it and it gives birth to a head of something and there's little seeds on that how much of the first seed is in the others I don't know I don't know how to divide that up but somehow the one becomes many and somehow I'm looking maybe not at Christ but at Christians at little anointed ones that somehow the DNA the genes of heaven are in you and if we could access the authority and the dignity that God has for us not with cockiness and arrogance but with a sense of the divine being in our lives wow what could we do what have men done in the past they've raised the dead they've parted seas they've moved the sun in the sky so shadows change one even prayed and the sun stopped in the sky so a battle could be won this is the DNA of God inside mankind and most of that is even Old Testament imagine it now who are you really And our minds are soaked in worry because we're too full of EastEnders. (laughs) But if only we could abide. Did I even finish that? That what What is abiding in John 15 is when we abide in the word. I want you to understand when you open your Bible, it's a moment of intimacy. It's not that opening your Bible is a moment of study and worship is a moment of intimacy. Opening your Bible is the word becoming flesh in you. So that whenever you're poked by circumstance or the enemy, out it comes of you just like Jesus. It is written. It is written. It is written. 
The word became flesh in Jesus. You're his seed. So the word becomes flesh in you. You are supposed to be becoming the word. The word is supposed to be all you think, all you want, all you know. It is your global perspective. Your politics should come from the word. That normally goes down not very well in Hull. (laughs) So it begins with identity. Who? It's the start of his dream because every true destiny is born of intimacy. I don't need any other destiny. I don't need to prove who I am by fame. I mean, my destiny could be that God tells me tomorrow morning, go to Mongolia. And I go to Mongolia and I find myself looking after 20 people. And I never write a newsletter. I never have a website. Nobody ever knows my name. But I look after the 20 people he told me to look after. It could be like Wesley's mum, you know what I mean, who brought up those two lads and transformed the world through motherhood. And John Wesley used to say, my mother taught me more theology and more about God than all the theologians in Great Britain. Come on, be that mother. Be that mother. Don't say, I'm only a stay-at-home. Ridiculous. Be that mother. Transform the world through your children. Again, don't have a dream for you. I'm dreaming for generations ahead of me. I'm planting seeds now for trees that I will never lie under. But hopefully my great-grandchildren would say, I'm glad you preached that message. I'm glad you spoke something ahead of me. I'm glad you dreamed for generations and not out of selfishness. We need to get the selfish out of our ambition. The self-obsessed. I've got to be something in my 80 years. Yes, the only thing you've got to be in your 80 years is like Jesus. Formation is the main thing. You might leave this earth and none of us ever know you. Nobody goes to your funeral, but all of heaven knew you. Because you prayed revival into rooms like no evangelist could ever bring it. Because you understood that principalities do more than preachers. So you learned what reality truly was. Identity. That's the first stage in in our river this afternoon that I feel to bring you. But we're going to measure off another thousand. Is that okay? So where does all that identity lead us? Well, I'm I'm, I'm hopefully going to get two more stages in here because the three-point sermon. (laughs) The only good thing about a three-point sermon is it's not a five-point sermon. That's all I can say. (laughs) So when we grasp who we are and what God is and how we're born from above, not with any sense of pride or manipulating the fact to make something of ourselves that we're not, but we truly are kings and priests to serve our God. What that results in, and, and, and many, many live here, it's an, it's an extraordinary place, and it's actually where the church has begun to live the last couple of decades, and it's wonderful. But we begin to live in the natural outworking of being Kings, God's king. He's the king of kings. And the natural outworking of that is that he begins to give us authority and empowerment over natural things. And so, to put that in plain English, miracles, healing, signs, wonders, God moving begins to be the realm that's the natural moving on from that stage is that God begins to use us. And we begin to do unnatural things because we have a connection. We learn the ability of of taking a scalpel to the heavenly realm and pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And we learn to download things from heaven to this realm. And so 
um, uh, things like provision, you know, don't, don't, you can take this really wrongly, so work through it if you're prone to debt. And if you're prone to overspending or you're an addictive shopper, don't listen to this bit. Stick your fingers in your ears and go la, 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 la. But you're not supposed to live according to your wage packet. Um, I, I live within his means, not mine. So I'm always doing things that I can't afford because I'm living within his means. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I was new in Bible school, it, and this is where you've got to prove a track record and not be silly. You, you're allowed to prove your track record, to test and to push boundaries slowly. Otherwise... Otherwise, you make mistakes, right? So I, when I had no income at all, literally, me and my friends, we would stand in faith for toothpaste. And everybody else in the Bible college was standing in faith with us because we stank. And it was like, God, we haven't got any money, and I need toothpaste. 73 pence. I need toothpaste, and I have no money. And we learned to stand in faith for that. And then, then it grows into other things, into flights. And, and, and you develop your divine dignity that I'm a son, and God will pay for things. And they come from him, not from me. And so, you know, you learn the language of the brown envelope, that God has the capacity to give you money and rebates or just make things last longer than you ever thought possible, or a meal to stretch. And these are the, the miracles that we come into. I, I walked into a showroom once. I was itinerant at the time I was driving around in an old banger God said to me go to start to look at nice cars go start look and I thought well I like looking at nice cars that's not a problem I can do that my flesh and my spirit rejoiced in that one and I I walked into this into this car showroom and there was this lovely shiny car and I'm looking at it and you know I, I like shiny things I'm a man do you know what I mean a, a magpie man like most men are and it was shiny and I just felt the spirit of God the same voice that taught me how to buy toothpaste said book it I didn't have any money but I knew it was the voice of God so I waffled about having a rich dad to to the person and <laughs> It took six weeks to have it built. By the time it turned up, well, I'll tell you the story. About a week before I had to pay for it, I got a letter in the post saying, are you by any chance trying to buy something like a car? Because I feel God wants me to give you some money. Well, if you write to me, it usually takes me forever to reply. I'm hopeless. I just, you know, too busy. That's my excuse anyway. Uh, just too much correspondence. This one I replied to immediately. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I wrote straight back and I was trying to hint, please don't send me 500 quid. That will not do, you know. Um, I, yeah, I'm like, yes, I am trying to buy a car, blah, blah, blah. Um, within within uh, 24, 48 hours of me having to pay the money, thousands of pounds came through the post to pay for it. See, God has knowledge in the heavens that we have no knowledge of. And we learn to download. This is our identity becoming behavior. Okay? And what, many are still stuck at learning this stuff. How to shift a headache. How to buy something and have God pay for it. Um, many of us are running from those very simple lessons. Because please note, we're only one stage down the river at this point. Just remember, the dream is the glory of God flooding the earth. If you want to know roughly even a smidgen of what that looks like, go read the story of Moses. I mean, he physically shone with the glory of God just like Jesus did later on. Okay, If, if you were one of the children of Israel, they're, they're 40 years through the desert and they go into their wardrobe in their tent. Of course, they had a wardrobe, didn't they? And, and he, he'd, he'd get out his underarmors and he'd go, I've had these 40 years. Look at that. The tread isn't even shifted one bit. They're in perfect condition. Nothing was wearing out. Why? Because they were covered in glory. 
everybody that left Egypt left Egypt healed. Why? Because they were covered in glory. They would hear trumpet blasts. They would, if you want to say, you'd sit there. Do you ever have that, that dichotomy, that, that, that question? You're sat at home. Is God real? You know, a load of bad stuff happens. The world's in a mess. Is God real? All you had to do if you were a Jew for those 40 years is walk out and go, yep, there's the cloud of glory right above the tabernacle. And then if you want it even more impressive, because that isn't impressive enough for you, you walk out at night and you go, yep, there it is, fire hanging over the very temple of God. The glory of God's there. Visible glory. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul's teaching us that you will say that wasn't even glory by the time you see the glory of the new covenant. So we're expecting more than Moses saw. Does anybody feel like even stage one is kind of kindergarten, trusting him for a little bit of money and that a headache moves? We're in kindergarten. We've got to keep. Some of you, he's come to you and he's gone, should we measure off a thousand? And I love this. He doesn't say go that way. He says, I'll lead you. That's the story, Ezekiel 47. Go read it. And he led him another thousand into deeper water. I'll say it again. There's something on that. Into deeper water. Don't level out where you're at. Deeper water. Miracles, prophecy, hearing God clearly. I mean, I'm a bit bored of prophecies that, you know, dove, dove, color red, shrimps, you know what I mean, whatever. (laughs) How's about go to this town, to to a place called Straight Street. There's a man called Simon, he's really called Peter. We need to start getting to that level. This is where intimacy becomes behavior. Okay, if you truly are, I've been listening to a, a brilliant psychologist who was kind of, I'll call him, he's a semi-detached Christian, I would say. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's got, do you believe in God? And of course, he has to tear that apart to think, mm, well, that's, that's actually a very deep question, he says, because most people go, yes, I believe in God, but they don't behave as if they do. So therefore, my answer to that is I'm trying to act as if God is real. But the only thing I actually believe is what I behave. How deep is that? I believe in God. Yeah, but you're scared of getting old. You don't believe in God. You're worried about the bill coming in next month. You don't believe in God. You believe in a fairy tale. You like Christmas and lights and shepherds. Fairy tales. As long as it was all long time ago. We're always okay with dead people. Long time ago. <laughs> dead heroes. But believing for money by tomorrow. Believing for that person to be healed now. What do you really believe? Maybe we need to be like my semi-detached psychologist. And say, I'm trying to act as if God is real. Because I'm going to call my behavior my true belief. So maybe some of us, you know. Charismatics on steroids need to actually get a little bit more real and say, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Write your behavior and your worries and your anxieties out and make that, make that your honest faith statement that you want to move on from. It's gone very quiet in this Methodist church this afternoon. <laughs> right. The sense of God moving by his presence and miracles and provision and prophecy is, is, 
is stage two. Identity, then empowerment. God comes to empower us. That's a natural next step, isn't it? That he would move among us. I remember uh, a, a, a little while ago, we had a move of God, and one of our guys put this on Facebook, and this pretty well sums up stage two to me. But I think sometimes many of us stick here, but, but listen to this. Uh, he wrote on Facebook, so on Thursday I saw a paralyzed woman get out of her wheelchair and start dancing. On Friday I saw a woman on crutches walk hand in hand with her husband for the first time in years. On Saturday I saw a man with M- MS waving his sticks in the air. Sunday was fairly quiet, although I did bump into a guy who got his leg healed outside the travel lodge. Oh, and the church was pretty full too. I had to sit on the floor. Africa? No, welcome to the UK. I mean, that was our church a few years ago. Um, as God invaded us with the things that we long for and the kind of atmosphere that you have here right now and the stories that you tell. But I found the river still moving on. If we make this the dream, we're falling short of what God wants to do. It begins with identity. Let me form who you are. It moves to a sense of an understanding of, well, that should change my behavior and my belief. And so there should be miracles, signs, wonders. There should be a sense of, wow, God doing. So now I was with some wonderful, huh, how shall I say this, um, uh, people, apostolic people the other day. And, and, and there was someone quite high up in the, in the Church of England there. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, he said, uh, he says, it's strange. There's an atheist journalist wrote a piece, I think, in The Guardian the other day. And this atheist is saying to the church, why are you just becoming like the culture? You're supposed to have an otherness to you. Why don't you talk more about angels and demons and what you really believe and what God is like and holiness? And you're not supposed to be the same as us. You're supposed to be different. And the church needs to recapture this, this knee depth level of otherness. I want to learn my otherness, that I'm not of this world. I am seated in heavenly places. My feet are on the earth, but my head really is in heaven, and my heart certainly is. If you're anything like me, you're nostalgic for heaven. Something in you is longing for some things that only exist in eternity. And if you're like me, a bit of an OCD perfectionist, the only place I'm really ever at peace is when my heart is in the presence of God, because nothing in this world is perfect enough. We're all too messed up. So I get my heart in his presence and I learn how to live in my otherness with God. But God has another thing. Are you ready for it? This is what, and I believe so. Come on. Come on. Right. Church, don't count. Don't, we make this the ultimate. You know what I mean? Bit of healing, bit of God, bit, bit of prophecy. God's moving. God's really alive. Bit of otherness. That's great. But it's not the dream of God to camp here. And he's saying to his church, so measure off another thousand. Measure off another thousand because there's something I'm trying to do that is so much more than just beginning to activate your basic authority, which is what most of us obsess about. God wants to do more in the earth. The ultimate dream of God is found in Revelation 11. I think it is verse 15. Here's the end vision. And it twins beautifully with the sense of the glory of God covering the earth like the sea. I mean, I could preach on that. What's the sea like? Well, there are waves and there are tides. There are waves that are stirred up by the wind of the Spirit. But then there are tides that are pulled by the very seasons of heaven. God's, that's how God's glory moves. So he wants his glory to move. Revelation eleven fifteen says this, and here's where we're trying to get to. At the end of time, this is what God wants. Now the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. And he shall reign forever. This, it's not just 
bit of authority, gifts of the spirit. Yay, we're charismatics. He's going, okay, wonderful. Now you've got that. And I actually believe some of us are learning one, two, and three all at the same time. But I'm just saying, it's time. He's measuring off of thousands and he said, come to deep waters. And it's this. So here's the end game. Here's the dream of God. The kingdoms of this world are supposed to be the kingdoms of our God. The places of influence, the principalities and powers of this world, we are to lay them at the feet of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 13 talks about a kingdom coming. That's what this is all about, is it not? There's a kingdom coming and it's going to transform the whole globe. And just let me give you a, a couple of the pictures of what the kingdom is supposed to be like. Because the kingdoms of this world are going to end up being the kingdoms of our God. Think about the kingdoms of business and the kingdoms of finance and the kingdoms of the art and medicine and education, family and even church itself. Who knows that church needs revival? At the moment, there's a lot of talk of the re-salvation of the church. There's so many unsaved ministers in the church. The church is one of those kingdoms. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. That kind of means this. If you're a, if you're a school teacher in a classroom, this is where you're supposed to get to. See, we used to think the best job in the church is the pastor. And we use language like I'm serving the pastor. It's great. It's humble, lovely, yada, yada. Now listen. <laughs> Biblically, Ephesians 4, the job of people like me is just to equip all of you to be missionaries. Missionaries to where? Out of Mongolia? No. No, 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 no. Back home. So you're a school teacher in a classroom and you've learned that what God wants is that the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. You realize I don't go to school and do my job and that's one part of my life and then compartmentalize my spirituality over here and one day I hope to become a youth pastor. Because, you know, they're better. Well, I want to work for the church. No. Don't work for the church. Do everything you can to not work for the church. <laughs> everything you can to not work for the church. Because the rest of you are the really on the front line. And the rest of us are here to equip. I want to equip you to realize when you leave this service, you need to go take that classroom by storm. I don't mean you stand up tomorrow and preach the gospel. It's much more subtle, the kingdom, and I'll explain that in a moment. But somehow you work away. To pick up your classroom and you walk it to the very throne of God. And this is your worship. You come before God and you say, Father, I brought you a classroom. It's now yours. I brought you a school. I brought you a business place, a department. I brought you a team. Father, Father, I brought you this, these, these musicians, this, this band. And they were so ungodly when I found them. But somehow look, they become a little bit more like the kingdom. And the kingdoms of this world were being taken to the very feet of Jesus. And we're making his enemies his footstool. And we're saying, look what I've brought you. I've brought you a hospital wing. We've got so many doctors and surgeons in our church. And, and in fact, you can't walk around a whole hospital without bumping into a revived member. They're everywhere. You know, I'm always the bishop when I walk in. <laughs> we're supposed to take businesses and homes and streets Every little sphere of influence, you're a missionary to that sphere. Stop thinking, well, I, I'm just working in McDonald's till I get a real job. No, every placement is an assignment. McDonald's workers receive that right now. <laughs> Jesus, save you from Burger King. You're there to, to learn identity, seated in heavenly places. Authority, I can do miracles. Wow, I can hear God's voice. 
placement, the dream of God. So wherever I put you, turn it into heaven on earth. Because that's the end game. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. So we've got to get out of our church language because now we've also got to push into kingdom language. Because church and kingdom are a little bit different. The kingdom is, is in the church, but it also extends beyond the church. It's almost as if the church was this platform, but the kingdom reaches all the way there. Reaches beyond. And in the church, for instance, it talks about the kingdom. Matthew 13, a lot of this is, it says that the kingdom of God is like, like good seeds and bad seeds sown together. Do you know that? The weeds and the wheat growing together. And it's really interesting. So in church, if there's immorality, quite biblically, you deal with it. You don't ignore it. You know that the church has the authority as a community to expel immoral people who won't behave. There's, stuff, there's, there's a structure to it. There's a, we're an organized community. But in the kingdom, it says, just let evil, let wickedness, and let wheat grow together. Don't worry. It says, at the end of time, the angels will separate the good and the bad. So kingdom looks messy. Kingdom looks like Kanye West. And you don't quite know what to think. Kingdom looks like Trump. Well, I've got you all there, haven't I? You know exactly what I'm on about. You go, oh my Lord, that's not Christian. No, it's, it's kingdom. It's messy. But somehow there's an infection, a viral infection of the kingdom. As this somehow kingdom and weeds are growing together. And you go, oh God, thank you. You're sorting this out at the end of the age. <laughs> and, we, and we learn to stretch. Because some of us are very churchy traditional. And I get that. I'm an absolute orthodox purity guy. But there are realms of kingdom. Here's what's happened in our church. We've had a move of revival in our church. Now as I track, not what we designed to do, but what has God done over the last seven or eight years? It's turned into, not we're going to camp here and have better and better presence meetings, but suddenly the influence being released through our people. Guys who you could always tell there was something of God for politics on them suddenly getting elected. And you know, this is it. We had to have a move of God to get the guy elected. And suddenly, God's bringing influence. Some of our guys are in business. Some of our guys, two of our guys, who um, essentially run a, an education trust. Now, there's, there's an area of Great Britain where 50% of the pupils are under the care of two of our guys. And they're going in and prophesying over head teachers, and they're breaking down and crying, and the kingdom's beginning to come to classrooms and schools. Come on. The, the next step is okay identity, who you are. You want destiny to flow from identity. Authority, what you've got. Now, what we're going to do with it? The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. We need to go out and change the world, not have more meetings. We only gather to go again. Why? Because we're all missionaries. At the end of this service, we're going we're gonna to lay hands on every single thing that moves. I'll commission dogs and cats today. If you want, I don't mind. I want all of you to go and not think, oh, I come to my safe place, church. No, get out there and transform the world. One of my friends, one of my friends who's living in this zone, very accurate prophetically, he's walking through Walmart one day and Walmart and the States, they have pictures of missing children on the walls. And He's living in this world where he knows, well, you know, we're quite used to church services. We get people's addresses or we can see their front door and the color and the number on it. And just to confirm, it's a word of knowledge to confirm a word of wisdom and all that kind of stuff. And, but he's walking through Walmart and suddenly he's shifting another thousand as he walks past going, well, if I can see accurate information to help people in a church world, God knows where those kids are. So he gets six of his best prophetic guys together. They sit down and they say, right, we're going we're gonna to ask God where this kid and this kid is. 
go, disappear, come back in a few hours. Any repeated information, we're going to take it to our, they got a friend in the FBI. We're going to take this to a friend in the FBI. They went away, came back. They had one, what they had, a street name, and they had a relative, uncle. Several of them, and several of them had the same street name. So they go to the FBI with this information, put it on the table, says, so going to be weird now but these guys are going to psychics anyway if they get stuck you know that so the church needs to take over this zone and become the ones that do it with with love and integrity and power this this is the zone we're supposed to occupy that the, the the police force becomes a kingdom of god we're going oh you need to fix it politicians god's looking at us go no you need to fix it dipsticks it's your job you're the kings on the earth there's only two billion of you that are supposed to know what's going on. Help the other four billion. So they took the information to the FBI and their, their, their police friends said, well, the uncle does live on that street and we've searched the property before, but we'll go back again. Within 48 hours, they found two children. And they've now been helping the FBI for several years find missing children. This is our realm. Governmental political um i've got i've got a friend in 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 australia this 15 years ago she started a choir by accident and uh it's ended up being a choir that sings on christmas eve on australian tv they're equivalent of like a bbc one or an itv it's broadcast in 120 nations and they do all the backing vocals and you know they sing along with hugh jackman and people like that but what you don't know is behind the scenes they've done this the last two christmases they did it uh, uh, 2018 and 2019, they thought, right, because the whole choir is prophetic and born again. So they said, let's write Christmas cards for all the producers, all the stars, the directors, the cameramen, but prophetic Christmas cards. I'm going to write something. We're not going to say, thus saith the Lord. We're going to say, I feel about you that, and then write. And so there they are, giving out all these Christmas cards behind the scenes on this TV show. A-list celebrities giving their lives to Jesus, crying, people touched by the Holy Spirit, people breaking into the dressing room. How did you know that about me? This is who we're supposed to be. This, 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 this same friend, she, was, she, was, she had a friend who's a, who's a millionaire that was helping her with some stuff and, and ha- had done for some years. And she was just facing another problem. And, and God said, no, 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 I don't want you to go and ask for money again. I want you to go and do something for him. So she rings up and she says, I was about to ask you to, to help me with something, but God's told me to help you. She says, would you like us to come? And I don't know, can we do a concert for some of your friends? Maybe in your house. And he's like, yes, absolutely. So we'll get all your friends together, all millionaires and billionaires. And, and so a few weeks later, she turns up at this house and it's full of millionaires and billionaires. And two or three friends, they sit there, they've prayed, they've written down words that God's got for these guys. They sing a couple of songs just to set the scene. And then they begin to pray and speak and sing over these millionaires and billionaires. And there they are in this beautiful mansion in Melbourne, just weeping as the power of God touches them. Come on. We're supposed to go deeper. The, the, The purpose isn't that we have good charismatic meetings. Now we need to know the dream of God, that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. I remember once uh, getting a, I think it was an email from someone, and this person was uh, um, uh, drunk, alcoholic, suicidal, walking past a church in South Africa, and hears a certain song that someone wrote, King of Kings, Majesty, yeah, I wrote that. Um, Walking past, hears it, goes in the back door, is hit by the presence of God, falls under the presence of God, and gives her life to Christ. Now works for the president of South Africa. 
I believe that there is a kingdom place seated in heavenly places where he is lifting you to into a new season. I almost see it like a diamond and the pressure uh, and the polishing of all that God's been doing. You say, no, but so it, it, it's, it, there's not just, we've talked about doors opening, but there's also placement. I'm placing you. You know, you place a diamond in a ring. There's a placement coming that's different. That's going to feel, it might feel a bit more permanent, a little bit more restrictive, but there's a placement in the heavens that God's doing in you that's going to release a power so that there is that sense of being a light to the world. Those governmental doors are going to open. Those political doors are going to open. Those, those business doors are going to open. And God's going to say, but it feels like, it feels so little. But here's the secret of the kingdom. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a little bit of leaven that goes into the dough. It's the smallest of all the ingredients, but it's the one that brings life. You only need to do tiny things to bring the kingdom. It's amazing. The kingdom of God is disproportionate influence. Everybody say disproportionate. You do something tiny and everybody goes, wow, how did you do not? You're amazing. I've got a friend who, who sat down for a breakfast with, with um, I can't really say, um, kind of the, one of the top two, three most powerful positions in our nation. And before he gets to breakfast, is there anything you want to say, God, to this unsaved guy? God downloads to him. A dream. He said, this man had this dream last night. Share it with him and then share what I want to say. So he sits there across from someone who you all will know. Do you know that some of the headlines in the papers today were created by prophets days before through an interaction? You know, the kingdom of God is beginning to invade. It's what he's doing. And we need to go, right, so let's, let's take a step deeper. So he sits down with this powerful figure and says, yeah, I need to have a little breakfast and a little chat. And he said, you know, I just feel God saying that did you have a dream last night? Of the, 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 and the guy's eyes just go wild. <laughs> Do you know the most powerful position? Kingdom is often not the head. Forget spiritual authority now. This is how God moves. He doesn't make you the prime minister. He doesn't make you the, the top guy. He makes you the guy right next to the top guy. As a friend of mine used to say, um, the man is the head of the house but the wife is the neck that moves the head. (laughs) He he won't make you Pharaoh, he'll make you Joseph. And he'll put you through some, some formation stuff. And then he'll show you that you're accurate and your dreams are right. Then he'll bring you into a place of prominence where the kingdom can come to a people. Why? Is it coming because he, he, he loves the church? He loves the church, but he loves the world. And he wants to make this place a place that looks like heaven on earth. And the reality is we won't always understand it because parts of it are messy. Really messy. But he's saying, but if... When the kingdom comes, it makes it so much easier to then become Christians within it. We always want to jump to that. And I understand the psychology of it. We want to jump to getting people saved. I understand that. But there's something even bigger in God's heart. I want the world to become like heaven on earth. I want the music industry. You can see it in the music industry right now. It's messy, but there are Christians popping up everywhere, singing worshipping concerts. And I don't just mean Kanye, others too. And their lives are a moral mess, and we'll go cross-eyed with it. Do you know that there was one of the greatest pop stars that ever lived? (coughs) Moved in word of knowledge. Healed his backing singers of cancer. Was chucked out of an Assemblies of God church years ago. 
And uh, his last words were, we need to learn to live for Christ. And he died, thrown out of an AOG church because we couldn't understand the difference between the mess of the kingdom and the holiness of the church. Elvis Presley. Moved in word of knowledge. Documented. He used to pull A-list celebrities back after the concert. Like, this was the good bit. We all know that one of his favorite songs was How Great Thou Art and other hymns like that. In fact, there was once a banner saying, Elvis is king. And he stopped mid-concert and said, Elvis is not king. Jesus is the king. But here he was conflicted because it was a church that didn't understand, couldn't count off another thousand and say, Do you know what? Kingdom's going to be a little bit messy. Doesn't mean you allow church to become messy. But what's going to happen in the world in the coming decades? Some of you are going to look and you, you, go, you know, we're looking for prime ministers that give altar calls. We've got to grow up a bit. Seriously, what we expect of famous Christians is ridiculous. Number one, because famous Christian does not mean mature Christian. But when the kingdom is coming, we've got to let it come. Elvis would drag all these A-list celebrities back to the piano backstage. And he'd have them weeping as he sings. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know it is the spirit of the Lord. Elvis wouldn't let him in a church. Measure off another thousand. We've, we've got a choir. We, we, we've, we've decided that, because this is how this works. Worship team, church. We have a choir that does stuff. It was in one of the top five BBC choirs. Do you see the choir of the year competition? It's one of those choirs. There's, there's a gay married couple in the choir. We, we had to sit there and go, what do we do with this? You know, where is this kingdom or is this church? Where does this sit within stuff? And I'm absolutely orthodox. and pre- I'm third generation Pentecostal minister. Now, and I, you got to understand, <laughs> but I understand some of this stuff. I, I met this one guy once. The first time I met him, he was wearing a black leather miniskirt. He was wearing a black leather miniskirt, and his breasts were beginning to grow, and he was a, he was a witch. And he got saved that night, and he came and lived with me for nine months. <laughs> Welcome to the real church. Ah, identity. Oh, authority. Okay, so let's start living this stuff. Let's start taking the kingdom out into these complex things where we go, I don't have an answer. Just like Joseph probably really wrestled with some of the Pharaoh stuff and Daniel really wrestled with some of the stuff in Babylon. But we've got to, we've got to understand we are rock solid in our identity, but we're reaching a world to change it from the inside out. You can never change an enemy. You change a friend. I mean, Joseph, why did his brothers not recognize him? Because he looked Egyptian. It's hieroglyphics and you go, really? That's a Jew? We've got to get out there. Some of us are going, I can't wait to have a job in the church. And God's saying, I'm never letting you in the church. I don't want you. I want less jobs in the church. I want you to take that school by force. I want you to take the... There are prophecies about wards being emptied in hospitals again by the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of God's power. Those are the days ahead of us that we need to learn to live where the kingdom of God and medicine can begin to work side by side, hand in hand. There are days of God moving. There are day, And some of it's going to be messy. But come on, work with me. I don't have all the answers, but all I know is we've got to push into the next realms of God and say, God... I want to take you to this hurting world because your dream 
is that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. So, who wants to be commissioned to go? Yeah. Thank you, both of you. <laughs> I appreciate you. I think some of us have made this our end game. This is just the equipping for the end game. He says, what's this going to look like in the end? Entire nations are going to look like the kingdom of God on earth. doesn't mean they'll all be Christians. But there'll be righteousness and justice and healing flowing through the streets. The gospel will be preached. Everyone that can will have an opportunity. And then he will come. We've got to take the gospel out there. Go transform. Don't run from that business. Transform it. Transform that hospital. That school. Get innovative ideas. Some of us need to start again. We have built an entire dream based on either just that or just this. We need to now engage with his dream. Go, maybe one of my friends, well, yeah. She's in the fashion industry. It's a very, very tough industry, isn't it? Somebody needs to be, here's the thing. Oh, I need to get out of that industry. Another one of my friends works for Cirque du Soleil. What a circus. Let's not run from our jobs and say, I can't wait to be. How's about we catch his dream? Say, okay, God, I want to be the most amazing nurse ever. I want to see healing flow through my... I want to transform one of our girls. um, Was chased out of a South American country under gunfire. Then got leukemia. Then was healed in a London hospital by God. (laughs) She... Lay getting treatment quite remarkably. I'm, I'm fast-forwarding the story. Today, she's working with um, U.S. ambassadors in nations like Moldova and Cambodia and other nations like that. Most recent testimony, and this is just a couple of months ago, one nation, a nation, I won't name it, one nation turned around and said, will you tra- retrain our entire social services? in kingdom principles, though they didn't use that language. Will you train us? Because essentially, if you retrain social services, you can cut off sex trafficking of children at the source. It's time to transform nations, people. We can do it. Why? Because the kingdom is disproportionate. A little bit of leaven changes everything. Right? We're supposed to be a little mustard seed that becomes a mega tree, the word literally means. That all the birds come and land in. I want the whole world to turn up and go, I don't know why, Phil, but we feel safe around you guys. You're a tree that we can land in. And you're sitting there going, oh boy, I don't even know if I, don't even know if I quite agree with what you do. But they're going, but I feel safe around you. And the world comes to nestle in our branches. That's the kingdom. It's a net that goes over everything, picks up the good, the bad and the, the, bad and the ugly. And we let God sort it out at the end. But it's time you put a net over Cambridge and just said, how's about we just pick up the whole lot? <laughs> we'll pick up the education service. We'll pick up the police force, the fire service. Every, we'll pick up the N- Let's pick up the whole NHS and just transform it. This is what's going on in our nation. Measure off another thousand. And come on, people. Let's go. Come on.
Should we stand? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.